Welcome to Time Lapse, Season 5 of the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. In this season, we track how God works in and through our guest lives over the course of time. In each episode, you will hear two interviews recorded about six months apart. Of course, we chat scripture, encouragement, and the character of God in both interviews. We dwell richly together in every season. We invite you, sister, no matter your current season, to come along for the journey. Well, welcome back to the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. We are wrapping up season five. So thank you for following along with us. The season five has been our time lapse season. Um, this episode is going to be a little bit different. So the past episodes that we've um, been sharing with you, we've um, kind of spoken to a sister um, at one point in her life and then re-interviewed her about six months later. Um, so our, for our final episode of this series, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, I have a new friend that I'm chatting with today. Her name's Bev. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Um, but Bev is a dear sister um, of ours, and she's had um, a lot of experience walking walking with the Lord, a lot more time um with him on this planet than I've had. So I'm excited to just hear from her today and um, just hear what the Lord has to share um, through her on the podcast today. So Bev, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, um, where you came from and all that. Let us let us know what's going on in your world. Hi, my name is Beverly Ann Hicks. My maiden name is Newstrand, it's a Swedish name. N-E-W-S-T-R-A-N-D. I was born a depression baby in 1934, August 12th. And my heritage as far as my background was my great-grandfather, John August Anderson, was a, uh, they lived in a rural place. My grandmother always called it the estate, so I think it was a little bit better housing and, and farm than a, been a poor, poverty-stricken group of people. And um, they were a large family. Three generations lived together. And my grandfather and his brother uh, were saved in a religious service. Uh, They met with these people in a barn and in the forest. And it was the only place they could go to because it was illegal to go to any church except the Lutheran church. That was the state church. My grandfather tells of, my great-grandfather tells of his experience coming home from a meeting once, just talking in tongues the whole way home and just being so joyful and and happy with his salvation. As a result of this, they were disowned from their family. They were not given any kind of a heritage or any kind of a money. And they were finally, they left home or were asked to leave home because of their stand for the Lord. And they went and worked elsewhere. And then my grandfather was married to my, my great grandfather was married to my great grandmother, Katrina. And um, 
there, some of their cousins had already sailed to America and were living in Iowa. And they helped these two uh, brothers uh, to come over there. And my my great-grandfather had two children. The oldest was a boy, Daniel, and then my grandmother, Augusta. She was two years old when they immigrated. And they settled in Iowa. My grandfather worked for the railroad and had a, built his home. Um, and the pay was, my grandmother said, a dollar a day. And they uh, had a lot of children. I don't know, I think about eight or whatever, nine children. And um, so it was difficult to take care financially financially take care of that many children. So they they adopted my grandmother out to their cousins because they had no children. And uh, that always hurt my grandmother why they picked her. But I think they picked her because she was the best of the group, that's <laughs> my opinion. And um, she lived with them and she went to college, became a teacher, and uh, married my grandfather who later became a pastor and a pre- preacher. And in my line, I have uh, two, I have an uncle that was a preacher, a, a minister, I should say, maybe. And then um, the next generation, it would be mine. That would be, I. my brother is a te- uh, minister and was a leader of the state of Ohio for many years, superintendent in our faith. And um, then I have two brothers-in-law that were pastors, and my my boys, my grandsons. Uh, I have three pastors. That's uh, Garrison and Ty, and uh, uh, Robert down in Oklahoma City. Two uh, youth pastors, a son, a grandson-in-law, Omar, uh, and um, uh, Taylor, and then my. David, who lives in Washington, D.C., he um, is a, works in administration of a church there. So they're all in the ministry of some form or another, which I'm so proud of, if I could say proud. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been a blessing and a source of joy to me. Uh, back to my um, uh, my experience. We had lived in a large home on this, in the St. Anthony Park District of St. Paul. It was kind of semi-rural where we were. We were close to the University of Minnesota Agricultural School, which was a farm school. We called it the farm school. And they had pastures and barns and barns of animals, which they don't have the animals there anymore. And all the wonderful pastures, uh, those are student housing now, which is a shame in a way. I have great memories of us, uh, we children going to the uh, pastures to have a picnic. My mother would pack a peanut butter pickle sandwich and put some milk in a, in a pint jar, pickle jar, whatever. And that's what we had, and we enjoyed those picnics. They were big adventures. Um, it was very difficult in those days because of the Depression. My father worked at many different kinds of jobs. He was a carpenter. And his father was a contractor, and they, of course, ran into difficulty. Nobody was building houses then. And so they, my folks had 
two large lots and we had two large gardens and it was up to, part of our job as children was to weed, which I hated with a passion. But now I love gardening, I love to pull weeds. It's a kind of a therapy to pull weeds. Um, and um, in 1945, we moved from there to Hague Avenue in St. Paul, which was about six blocks from our church. The church was such a great influence in my life outside my family. We had an extended family uh, that we always worked together for Christmas, which was a big Swedish thing with the food and all the traditions. And, um, but uh, it was, I was 12 years old when I was baptized, but I can't tell you when I gave my heart to the Lord. It was probably several times before that. I was, always went up to the altar to pray and <laughs> repent. And so uh, our pastor was uh, Brother S.G. Norris. He was a good influence in my life. He loved to talk about prophecy and, uh, and doctrine. That was his main themes. Uh, he didn't talk so much about everyday life. And uh, when I was a mother, um, I really longed for some some one to help me with those things mm. because my marriage was a tough thing uh, for me at intervals it was not always tough but it had i married if i went to the apostolic bible institute and graduated from there that was the same college that pastor randy went to and um i married a fellow graduate from there but he kind of lost interest in the church and sometimes quite oppositional and had other interests up beside home. He kind of led a double life, but I loved him very dearly. And um, he was extremely good looking and charming. And um, uh, the, the f I had a problem, we had a problem in 79 and that's when the first time that I could say my heart was broken. Mm. Um, but the Lord is so good. I uh, suffered a lot of of tears and and sadness. But <clears throat> that scripture in um, Isaiah about I, He giveth perfect peace. If, if our mind is stayed on Him, I copied that. And put it on the brown refrigerator. Remember those <laughs> awful brown <laughs> appliances of the 60s and 70s? And so I put that on there with some scotch tape. And I told the Lord, I said, I don't have peace mm -hmm. in my heart, in my life right now. But I know that you will give me peace. It'll, it'll, I have faith to believe that you will give me peace. And, um, of course, he did later. It was quite a while. My husband came back home, and and then in 90, he left again. And we were divorced in 92, and he passed away in 07, mm. kind of a broken man, down in Louisiana where his sister and brother lived. They were a big help to him. And uh, thanks to Pastor Randy, my son-in-law, he um, led Alan to the... Uh, to the Lord on his deathbed. Mm -hmm. So that is a great comfort for me. Finally, my prayers were answered. Too bad it happened like that. But 
Back to my childhood. We had those three city lots. We also had chickens. <laughs> uh, we ate the eggs and ate the chickens with our protein <laughs> a lot. My dad fished. Uh, he would he would get cuts of meat um, uh, when the price was right, and uh, my mother never wasted a thing. She was very frugal. She made all her clothes almost, wow. except her shoes, and. Um, it was a time, but I never felt poor. I never felt cold. I never felt hungry. They took good, very good care of us. Of course, God was supplying our needs mm -hmm. because of my faithful parents. Um, my dad was a charter member of the church. He was, um, if you know any history of Pentecost and the Azusa Street Revival out in California, uh, in San Pedro, uh, which is a suburb of Los Angeles, and the story of Azusa Street is so wonderful. It would be really conducive to for you to study that. Um, and those, some those people left that place and went all over the world. And one of the places they came to was St. Paul mm -hmm. in Minneapolis, the Twin Cities, and um, that's how my dad found out the. Pentecostal way. He went to a church on the east side of St. Paul, and then that church divided into two, and the, my father went with the one that left, and um, they built a church the, the, uh, mostly by the members on Pierce Street there in St. Paul. And my father was charter member, was on the board for all those years, and um, he was the last of the charter members to pass away in 78. And um, uh, let's see. Also, uh, my maternal uh, grandfather was filled with the Holy Ghost in, in South Dakota, my grandmother also. And then uh, he came to Midway Tabernacle, my church, and uh, the Lord spoke through in tongues. Uh, Brother Andrew Urshan gave a message in tongues and then gave an interpretation. It was to my grandfather because he really hadn't made a commitment totally. And it was a scripture in Isaiah, I believe, that said, this is the way, walk ye in it. And that was a signal or the sign to my grandfather to follow the Lord. <clears throat> and uh, so I began, after we moved to Hague Avenue, I began piano lessons at, with, a, with a woman that's, um, excuse me. with a woman that had a um, studio about a block and a half from our house. And um, I studied piano with her for about uh, nine years. And then I studied with a woman who had a studio downtown St. Paul. I took the bus down to her place. And uh, she even gave me lessons, free lessons on her time, which she thought I, and I accompanied her a glee club that she had um, also. And then um, I played in church for the first time 
at age 13. After Sunday school classes, we would assemble maybe for about 15 minutes in the general auditorium, and uh, the uh, Sunday school superintendent, Paul Allstrand, would give a, um, a kind of a little speech to the children and the congregation. He was a very enthusiastic man about children's ministries. And we would sing, and that's when I first started playing the piano. And uh, played the piano for, I guess, for about 35 years in the organ. After um, we bought an organ, um, I took lessons from a Miss Weed and uh, taught myself more or less, the, I should say, with the help of the Lord, to learn how to play by ear. Wow. Which wow. is so important in Pentecost. When I say Pentecost nowadays, we don't call it that anymore. Um, but our church was based on the first church and the experience in Acts 2, which is so precious. And uh, now we're more or less in, in uh, non-denominational, but it's still, to me, the Pentecostal church. Um, <clears throat> uh, our activities... When I was a teenager, I'm kind of jumping around, but activities in church, there was a revival among the teenagers when I was growing up. The leader was Robert Sabin, and he actually became our pastor many years later after Brother Norris had retired. Um, and my brother and another boy and some others, um, <coughs> Donnie Joe Strand for another one, I can remember the others became ministers, mm -hmm. and the girls married some of the girls married pastors. But we had a wonderful group. We called it the Junior Choir because we get, we sang on Sunday evening services. But we got together on Fridays, and there was a bus. It was like a the bus that they used for special needs kids, and it was painted bright yellow, and said Midway Tabernacle on it. <coughs> But um, that came every Friday night to pick us up. And we had a lot of social time, but we also had, within that time, a, a kind of a message from the leader. <clears throat> Our first leader was Joyce Drinkwater, and she was a student at the Apostolic Bible Institute. I must say that, that the school was started in 34, the same age I am, I believe. No, it was 37, 37 it was started. And um, that was uh, adjacent to the, to the uh, church. Um, and uh, it was a church, it was a school that uh, emphasized the apostolic experience. And of course, the Bible was a text pretty much uh, throughout Brother Norris's teachings. And... Um, Let's see. And then we, uh, my children were, the same thing happened to my children. They had, when they were in high school, because I had, I have, my children are, uh, Brenda was born in, I was married in 55, Brenda was born in 56, Nancy in 57, Patricia 58, and Johnny 61. So I was baby, I was a baby person for a long time. <laughs> my mother was so helpful to me. I can never pay the debt. I, and my dad, he was a good babysitter. 
They had a big house on Hague Avenue, so they... That's the good thing about grandparents, yeah. yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, they, oh, they were crazy about my kids. And anyway, uh, in Brenda's, in Patty and Nancy's time, they had this revival, and uh, actually they brought kids, their friends from high school, and uh, those kids, uh, most of those kids have been walking with the Lord that were brought in. And uh, the girls, our girls married pastors, boys became ministers. And um, I don't know, something about Pentecost, they, it seems to be the, the fact that they go into the clergy. And I, I think that they feel they want to share the gospel and are so enthused about mm-hmm. the Bible and people being saved in it. So it's really an open, almost expected mm-hmm. uh, life commitment there and um, I have yeah I have uh, was diagnosed with lupus and I had open heart surgery that was in 2011 mm-hmm. and um I had open heart surgery in um, 80, 1980, and um, those are the main illnesses that I've suffered. And uh, but you know, I I claim healing, even though the lab says that I still have lupus, but I feel good. I have no mm-hmm. organ system that's greatly affected, and uh, the heart thing is it leaves me a little breathless sometimes, but. I cannot complain because I can garden. It's, I just can't walk very far without uh, taking a, 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 a big breath and trying to catch up with my... <laughs> um, so I was diagnosed with the lupus and the, and the congestive heart failure mm-hmm. and all that, but I, I, I feel the Lord has healed me, so mm-hmm. I will just go on with that. And um, I moved to Dayton in 92 and um, bought a little house here in Belmont. And I have my little hobbies. And I taught music at the school that I was in years ago at ABI, Apostolic Bible Institute. And I taught off and on in my home. And I did a little teaching after I um, retired. But now I don't do that anymore. I retired from that, too. Mm and enjoy my life with my little activities around here and try to be faithful to the church. <clears throat> and um, I think the idea of being faithful and dealing with situations that uh, I just have never felt like going out in the world and, and, and giving up. I've never had that urge at all, which I think is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I try, I've tried to be faithful in my church attendance. I um, led the, the older women in a group one time, and they wanted, I gave them a cho- kind of a choice about uh, uh, what the name of our group would be, and they took the choice of the Golden Girls, so that's what we <laughs> called them. Since, and then I retired from that, and since then it kind of is no longer in existence, I hope it it, someone will feel that necessary uh, lead uh, to uh, 
to, to take up that group again. Cause, but the problem is a lot of our women are working, so mm. they can't get out during the day, which we always had it during the day because some of them couldn't drive at night because they couldn't see. Yeah. So, but they still love the Lord and mm. the precious women. Uh, the scriptures that were especially important to me are uh, like the one I said, and all his scriptures about fear, mm. how often Christ told us to fear not. And uh, so, you know, sometimes you just take a little planting of your feet mm-hmm. and um, taking the scriptures literally mm-hmm. on that one. Uh, that to, We are not to fear, we are to be uh, be full of faith, and one of the gifts of the uh, the fruit of the spirit is faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, the last couple of weeks I've been reading the letters of Saint John over and over because it's so trying to get that really so established in my heart about his words about love, mm-hmm. and that's been very. Um, helpful to me. Mm-hmm. Every day when I pray for my children, I pray for for health and safety and for <clears throat> for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding and for the fruit of the Spirit in each life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And I usually read the the NLT for my devotion in mm. the King James. Um, also, we try to read it. I have a, that by read the Bible through thing with the NLT. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I tell you, one of the things about Pentecostal and a the spirit-filled Christian is, to me, the warmth of the people. There's a certain thing when you have the spirit in mm-hmm. you about tenderness and warmth that you don't, it's hard to find it maybe in some other faiths. Um, but our church, people have come in and say they have felt that. And I hope my life also shows that the warmth of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. the warmth of love, of caring for people, of being friendly and open and Kind, mm-hmm. and uh, I have I'm eighty four next month, and I hope the rest of my life, however long it is, will be a life of faith mm-hmm. and love toward others. But most of all, love and communication and the power of the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. the power of passion, power and passion and fire. Even though I'm not a demonstrative person. There's still a fire burning there. And I love the Lord. You can be small but mighty. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I um that reminds me of the the old song um that they'll know we are Christians by our love. Yes. I think, you know, a lot of a lot of times we're unfortunately marked as Christians by our sinful behavior sometimes and the wrong mm-hmm. way that we treat others so to live you know christ called us to be known by how we treat others like he treated us so and i just uh, 
when I was uh, younger and having the children under my feet, I had some experiences sometimes that I wouldn't be in a prayer prayer position or or anything. And one time I was taking out the garbage, the trash, so that you know that's not conducive. <laughs> but this the sensation of warmth would come over me. And I know it was the presence of God that just, even in my everyday activities, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, without my even thinking, mm-hmm. it would come over me and I would just be so overcome with uh, comfort and mm-hmm. that warmth of the Holy Spirit. It's very important. Mm-hmm. It was an encouraging thing, too. I I often wonder how how many times, you know, the Lord is present. I mean, we know that he's always present, but, you know, it can be easy to buy into the belief that, you know, he's only going to work in these big, you know, huge ways, which he does, but there's countless ways that he's active in the the everyday. And he calls us to small steps of obedience. So, you know, like you're your daily prayers for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Those are, you know, small steps and acts of obedience that he calls us to that, you know, if we can't be faithful in those small things, how can we be trusted to experience, you know, him and his faithfulness in the big things? If we can't even, you know, honor him in our small, in taking out the trash, in, you know, being patient with our children, in, you know, respecting our coworkers and our bosses and things like that. Like we, we try to make it into this big, huge thing, but we all have the spirit in us when we come to know the Lord who can empower us to obey him and be faithful in those day in and day out tasks instead of waiting for this big moment to arrive. He's given us a thousand little moments every day to be faithful. Uh, Yay. Um, I wanted to say something about my family, my my descendants. I had four children and then four four spouses. And then I have uh, seven grandchildren and um, six spouses at this point because my oldest gra- older granddaughter lost her husband um, through divorce just this last year. It's a very sad time for her, but she's a she's a toughie when it comes to the Lord, and she's a very successful person in her work, so she'll be all right. And then I have twelve gra- great grandchildren. <clears throat> um. And I mention their names every day. I don't always mention everybody else, but there's 32 of them. And uh, uh, it's it's wonderful to know. And it, maybe if the Lord tarries his coming, I don't know if you believe in the second coming or not, but uh, if he tarries, as we used to say in the old days, uh, there will be generations beyond that, children unborn that I... Include in my prayers. Mm. Uh, and uh, so I, uh, the, I have, Garrison has three, and Ty has three, Robert has two, Courtney, the, uh, Nancy's daughter, has two, and Patricia's 
son David has one. And then we have Kiki. Kiki was a member of the church up in St. Paul. She came in through singing to the teen choir. She loves to sing, so she started coming to church. And then her mother and dad were in a gang, so she's not had an easy mm. childhood. I think it was so neat. So before um, Bev and I sat down today, we were getting to know each other a little bit. And, you know, we've we've heard a lot about her legacy and just how, you know, the Lord has provided um, provided people along the way through families and through others that, you know, have helped, you know, her parents grow in her faith, their faith and her grow in her faith and come to know the Lord. And, um, just the, the cool aspects of legacy. And, you know, first Peter talks a lot about having an inheritance that is incorruptible. And, you know, we, we heard from, you know, her, her background and growing up and, you know, her relatives that lived through the depression, you know, they didn't have a lot of maybe, um, corruptible inheritance that they could pass down, but they knew the Lord and they knew his word. And that was, they started an inheritance that is incorruptible. And part of that was down the line, you know, Bev came into the world and got to know the Lord. And now she has, you know, her kids and grandkids who, our believers and I get to, you know, benefit from her legacy and her um, inheritance of faith because Garrison is actually my pastor. And um, I didn't realize that before we sat down. So it's, it's just so neat to see how the Lord, you know, kind of lives and breathes through these opportunities to be faithful to him and that those are little seeds that then grow and are nurtured over time. And now I'm I'm reaping the benefits of Bev's faithfulness because she was faithful um, with her family and introducing her family to the Lord. And now I get to be um, part of Garrison's extended family as he, you know, oversees our church and our um, church's growth and just the the areas that he feels called to minister. So that's I'm a I'm a recipient of the blessings coming down through your family, through your, you know, lifetime of obedience too, which is really neat. Um, one of the questions that we had that I would love to hear a little bit more from you on was just aspects of God's character, maybe that you feel like you've grown, grown in an appreciation of over the years. Um, I know for me different, you know, he, he is consistent. Um, I just might be more aware of some of his characters at different seasons of my life. So I was just curious if there's, through what you've kind of gone through, if there's any aspects of God's character that have um, kind of grown. Well, <clears throat> he was a great creator. Mm -hmm. And uh, I read someplace that the old rabbis used to call him the master of the universe. Mm -hmm. And he created this wonderful planet for us and uh, left us to take care of it, which is a Christian thing to do, to be a good steward mm -hmm. of the planet. And um, created outer space. They say there are millions of galaxies beyond the Milky Way. And there's not just a universe, there's a multiverse out there. They create stars in the planets and the moons and all those uh, wonderful objects that 
sail around in space. And um, the black holes and the, the mighty winds of outer space. When you think of that, and then he made that sacrifice. He came down as a human, lived on Earth, the mighty God, the, abs the uh, mighty God, the uh, everlasting Father, mm -hmm. the Prince of Peace. And uh, he became our Savior. Uh, the Son of God became our Savior. And we, he makes it so inviting to us to call on his name, whether we were just, whether we were in some kind of a problem or uh, kind of a need that's kind of um, a difficult need of some sort. And he, call, he has invited us to call on him. He is the king of heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He knows everything about us, even things that we don't comprehend ourselves about us. We know a person knows himself like the Lord does. And he still loves us. He still keeps us in the hollow of his hand. That's a very precious place to be in. Sometimes I like to think of Jesus' face, his brow, his beautiful eyes, his jawline. I don't think he looks much like a lot of our pictures. <laughs> I have a a, 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 niece, a nephew-in-law that uh, was in the Navy, graduated from Maryland there, the Academy. And he thought, he thinks that Jesus looked like one of his, one of his officers, mm. who's a tough fella. Kind of short and stocky, but you know it's it's kind of fun to imagine what the Lord really looked like. But anyway, he was so. Be, he suffered everything that we suffer. He did. He suffered it before we did. I, when I'm going through something, I think, well, you were you suffered abandonment at the cross, you suffered cruelty, you suffered uh, sickness. I'm sure you had your headaches. And your upset stomach sometimes, and your feet hurt. Stepped on a pebble or something, got a pebble in between this your foot and the sandals. So, and he didn't have a lot of clothes, but he had a special robe that they gambled through dice for at the foot of the cross. And um, another thing I want to say is that the old holiness hymns. That's what I was brought up on. The holiness movement really started with, um, um, what's his name? Uh, the two brothers in England. I can't think of the names. So sometimes I have trouble thinking. The Edwards of the brothers? The what? Was it the Edwards? No. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Edwards is American, I no. believe. Um. And uh, we all... If Rand was here, he'd know what it was. <laughs> He's not here. But his brother, Wesley. Oh, yes. J uh, John and Charles Wesley. And uh, Charles wrote hundreds of songs. And I thank God for the little holiness people. They were wonderful poets. They, most of them were poor, and and uh, but they loved the Lord. They lived lives of sacrifice. But that... <coughs> uh, 
those old holiness of hymns are a great comfort to me because a lot of them, are, of course, are based on scripture and uh, worship of Christ. So uh, they often come to me, and I probably know a few hundred in, uh, because of the music thing. Mm. But I praise the Lord for that, and I thank him for music. There's only three creatures that sing. It's man, birds, and whales, and I'm glad I can be one of them. <laughs> yes. Well, as we, as our time kind of starts to draw to a close, um, what would be something that, you know, with all, all that you've experienced and all that you've seen the Lord do in your life and in the lives of um, your family and your friends and those around you, what is something that um, you would share with a young sister or something you wish you had known as a young woman that um, you would encourage our listeners with? To be faithful to Christ. Mm. You, do, you know, and that involves a lot of things. You know, uh, you don't have a lot of time when you have young children. Uh, I used to listen to Charles Swindoll, Dr. Charles Swindoll. He was from Fullerton, California. He had a radio ministry. And he later became president of Dallas uh, Theological School. But he's, he used to say, now you... You older women, you don't be criticizing these younger women. They can't even go to the toilet without somebody rapping on the door. So uh, I'm very defensive of young women and mothers, especially if their husbands are not saved. Um, that uh, I would say, even though you're, you have some opposition in your home, you can still stay faithful and loving your spouse. And... Uh, doing your best for harmony and love in your home. And to have a personal relationship with the Lord. And that is not what I call easy, but when you have the Holy Spirit in your life, it makes its way into your daily schedule in some way. You can sing while you're doing the dishes or cooking and and enjoy the Lord. And in the, in the difficult times, you know he's there. You don't even have to exercise a lot of faith. It's just a fact that he's there and he will help you and he'll give you strength and he'll put that love of the word, love of spending time with him. And as you get older, it's really, I say it, when you retire, every day is a day of vacation. So you don't have any days you look really forward to except Sunday mm-hmm. for going out to the Lord's house. But... Uh, it's a wonderful time, too, to be done with the work life and enjoy life. But um, I would say to the young woman, don't ever forget, as the Bible said, the pit from which you were digged. Mm-hmm. Don't ever forget that. Always be grateful. Even though it may not have been a deep pit, mm-hmm. like some have, have experienced. But God is faithful. And he will give you strength. He loves you beyond anything. Uh, and he he wants to preserve your life. He wants to keep you well. Uh, he does not tempt us. Uh, he, But if there is a temptation, he provides a way of escape. And that's through his care and his love and his 
when the Holy Spirit speaks. That's a wonderful thing, to listen to the Holy Spirit. I've never heard an audible voice, but I certainly have heard, uh, usually it's short sentences, like a three, three or four word phrase. I thought, and I know it was the Lord. It was so definite, so precious, mm -hmm. such a saving. And um, um, it was a realization of how close he is to you when you're mm -hmm. going through something. Well, thank you so much for everything that you shared with us today. I know that. I've, I've been blessed by hearing it. It's a great perspective to even just starting back at the very beginning of your story and just being reminded that, you know, there are there are places that still exist where we don't have the freedoms. You know, we, you know, if we lived in some other part of the world, we couldn't be sitting freely at, you know, your dining room table today talking about the goodness of the Lord as freely as we can now. So I just I thank you for taking time to share your story and share um just the, the truth of scripture that you've experienced that you can, um, as an, as an older woman in the faith, teach to the younger, like Titus two instructs us to do. And I am, you know, also instructed to teach the women younger than me, whether it's, you know, kids like Lavinia running around little, little kids who hopefully will come to know the Lord one day or, you know, other younger women in my spheres of influence. So I thank you. Thank you for being willing to do that today. Do you, any, do you have anything else that you want? Any last parting, parting things you want to tell our listeners? Well, um, I have a, a, a thought or thoughts about our children at FCF, Faith Christian Fellowship. And that is I want to re I desire and pray for a repeat of teenage revival. Mm -hmm. I have uh, listed oh, 38 children, mm -hmm. teens, that are around that age um, that um, I want to see revival. Like uh, Ty, Ty was the lay leader of the Ephesus group in his teenage years. I really want to repeat of that because um, it makes such an uh, indelible impression and uh, a time when they're young that they learn about the Lord and learn that and stay with the Lord throughout their lives. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> um, do we have wonderful lay leaders, Gary and Abby? Uh, and then we have our uh, uh, Juan Garcia. He takes care of the what I call the social part of it. And Gary and Abby are teachers. And I just really pray. And in the old days, we call it a burden. It's not a burden for me. It's a joy of praying for these kids that the Lord will send a revival to the, to the young people, Amen. especially the teenagers. Yeah. They're so vulnerable. They find a salvation and strength in the Lord. Yeah. Well, we will... Be, be faithful in serving our the generations below us and pray that they will come to know and serve the Lord mm -hmm. as well. Well, thank you, Bev. It oh. was a joy to know you. It was fun to make your acquaintance <laughs> and, and your, your ministry with this podcast and the 
in your group. Mm. It's great. Yeah. Well, we we hope the listeners today will feel as blessed as, as we felt by having today's discussion. Okay. And I'm glad we had Garrison in in common. Yes. It was it was a surprise. Thank you for listening to the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. Our heart for you is that you become a mighty, awe-filled woman of God who knows, believes, and shares God's word in your areas of influence. We'd love to connect with you on our website, DaytonWomenInTheWord.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Spotify. In the meantime, we fervently pray Colossians 3, 16 through 17 over you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. In whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thank you.